Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet singer, songwriter, noisemaker, producer, Sasami. Sasami is the mononym of the LA-based Sasami Ashworth, who put out a debut record a few years ago to pretty good acclaim, and is now back with her sophomore record, Squeeze. In this chat, Sasami and I discuss a lot about her new record, including the wide range of influences that you can find there. Um, Squeeze is a wild ride. Everything from new metal to noise to glitch to indie folk, uh, from System of a Down to Sheryl Crow, it's all there. And in this chat, we talk a lot about the inspiration, influences, and what led her down this particular path this time around. She said last time she was crying, this time she's screaming. We talk a bit about the annoying misogyny that she suffered in the industry, as well as culture, work, and inspiration from the art around her, how she never stops taking it in. It was a really lovely chat, and I hope you enjoy it. So thank you for listening, and this is me meeting Sasami. There we go, sorry. Here we are. Uh, hi. <laughs> hi, Jeremy, what's up? Oh, just <laughs> this, how are you? Good, where are you based right now? I'm in Connecticut. Okay, cool. So is it snowing You're, in there? Is it, it is snowed it the other day. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's 43 degrees according to my phone right now, which is cold, but like, I, I feel like it would normally be colder. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. And apparently it's going to be in the 60s having, next week. You're having a, little heat, having a little heat wave moment. Yeah, and I heard like Texas is going to be in the 80s or something next week. So Whoa. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I Where mean, are honestly, you based LA... I'm in LA right now. LA being in the 80s or 90s in December is not not news at all. But it okay. actually is like kind of cold and rainy and cute right now. So, what is it like 70? I think it. I mean, let's see. Right now, it is 60 degrees. Oh, that you actually know? is kind of cool for, for for Southern California. Yeah, it's been getting into the 40s at night. So. Oh wow. <laughs> Well, okay. Something. Yeah, it is. It is snowy here. It snowed like one inch so far this season, and it happened to have been a couple of days ago. So it's a little, there's snow on the ground. It's nice. Yeah. There's some snow. <laughs> I, nice. Yeah. I mean, I like snow. I'm not one of the people, I don't know how familiar, how familiar you are with Connecticut, but pretty much half the people here hate the weather, but then they stay here. So yeah. I'm not one of those people who stays here and complains <laughs> about the snow all winter in a New England state. I mean, it's just part of it. So I like the snow. So I want, I would like some more. Yeah. I feel like New England is the worst when it's gray and not snowing. Like the snow right. is yeah. the like if you Yeah. If you have like a 41 degree overcast winter day, who no one wants that. Yeah. It's not, my, it's not worth my, the grayness. Uh, my band is based out of Brattleboro, Vermont. And I feel okay. like the most from what they say, the most depressing part of winter is like after like months of like when it's just gray and not snowing mm-hmm. anymore. That's, yeah. Like March. That's the tough part. Yes. March exactly. sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's cruel. Uh, anyway. So thank you for coming in. Thank you for hanging out for a bit today. Yeah, um, no worries. 
So we're here mostly because you have a new record coming out, your sophomore album, um, February 25th uh, on Domino called Squeeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, just off the top, you know, your debut came out a couple of years ago. It was it was pretty well received. You've toured with a lot of really good people. What was generally just like the path like to creating the second one? Was there any feeling of pressure that wasn't there last time? Like, what was the road to this new record? Yeah, I mean, the, the the first album that I made was, you know, I wasn't on a label. I was still playing in a different band. I was just kind of using that as a project to just work on some uh, studio production ideas. And the songs were just coming from an extremely, like, stream of conscious place. Like, I, it, there was no intention of even making an album. That one's just, like, kind of a coincidental stream of songs that um i wrote and recorded all within a year whereas this album is much more of like an intentional uh kind of theatrical production and Mm. every song kind of feels like a different act to the play that's the whole album and um my my focus on making this album was much more on creating uh creating pieces that people could have some sort of emotional reaction to and it was much more about conjuring the uh visual and musical and lyrical elements that create uh an environment for an emotional reaction way more than like my own personal experience Hmm. is that so is that part of why there is kind of this like almost two sides to this record the sort of really really noisy tracks and the, the softer tracks in between is it are you kind of intentionally guiding the listener through something yeah and i and i definitely wanted the album to feel more like a maze with like twists and turns as opposed to like a meditative long highway like my last mm. album to me feels a lot more like you're just like on a highway and you're like kind of watching things go by as you're like mm-hmm. traveling whereas this one to me is much more like a roller coaster yeah, I'm picturing that scene from Pee Wee's Big Adventure <laughs> where they're Definitely. driving on the cliffside and you see that sign that's like a loop-de-loop and like that's yes. what's coming, this like crazy unpredictable twist and turn route. Exactly. And like, I think that, um, yeah, I feel like especially in an era where um, people's attention spans and like, the reality of people listening to a full LP all the way through is just kind of dwindling as people get more involved with playlists and mm-hmm. aren't really using vinyl as much. I feel like also I wanted to create a piece that I wanted to create like a, an album that is really like um, working, like it's working to like hold on to the listener for the whole mm. whole length of the album. Like I, I, I want there to be like some payoff that makes it worth listening to the whole thing. You know? And it's, I mean, it's pretty short too. It, you, the record's about a half hour long. Yeah. So it's not even like you're asking for like, I don't need three hours of your time. Exactly. Just, just this little bit. Come with me for this yeah. little bit. Exactly. And I and I really wanted to, um, I don't know, I'm Korean. I'm like a workaholic. I'm like, let me work for you. <laughs> like, let me keep your attention. I'd, I'd gladly hold it if you give it to me. So as I said, many of the songs on this record are quite noisy, abrasive, like Skin a Rat, which is out now. Um, mm-hmm. Also things like Say It. Um, but then you do have the more placid, sort of lush songs um, like Call Me Home and a couple others. 
even the album art is sort of abrasive, you know, it's like really in your face. Um, So I guess you were trying to keep us on our toes. Um, What led you to this sort of sonic adventurousness that maybe you wouldn't have done a couple years ago? Like, how did you get here? Um, I think that like part of it is just a level of like confidence and command of the instrument as I get more and more familiar with electric guitar and, you know, drum arrangements and like uh, recording techniques. Like, I feel like I just, um, I have an idea and whatever it is, I like want to go all the way out with it. I don't really want to like be uh, meager at all. And so like, in or I don't want to be like meek at all. So like when I um, decided that I want to incorporate some metal sonic elements to the album I was like okay I'm gonna like hire the drummer from Megadeth and like I'm gonna (laughs) put like slap bass on it and to me it's just kind of like life is short and if you have an idea I'm even if it's like a risk like it might not just be like the safest route I just wanted to go really really heavy in every direction you know Mm. and then like not a love song at the end. I was like, I want, I want there to be like an interlude. That's like Bach. Like, you know, I might lose some Mm -hmm. of the metal heads, but it's fine. Like I want to just like go in every direction as far as possible. So I think, especially with the heaviness, just from touring the first album so much and kind of like being over all the mellowness, like, you know, you play the, play the album for years. And by the time you're like on year three of playing songs that are like sad and you're not sad anymore, you just start like turning your gain up on all your pedals. And that's kind of where I was at, where I was like playing songs that were really mellow and like screaming into the microphone and people were like, what the fuck is happening? And I was like, Oh, maybe I should actually just make songs that have the emotional arrangement of like where, where I'm at right now. So yeah, I, I knew by the end of touring my last album that it was like time to make heavier songs. So you say heavier, and I'm sure you mostly mean texturally because I know you've mentioned your debut is, you know, a bunch of sad songs. I think I heard an interview with you once where you just said there were a bunch of songs because I wrote when I was sad. Um, But for this one, is it also heavy emotionally or is it kind of more different sides than just like the one sad side? I think that, you know, uh, there are definitely some contrasting feelings between like the lyrics and the sonics of some of the songs on this album um like even like need it to work is like basically a song about like being a fucking sad loser and like waiting for someone that like doesn't want to communicate but then there's Mm -hmm. like and there's like a super loud like guitar solo and like I, i don't know i just think that um the last album was like being sad and crying about it and then this album is more like about being sad or hurt and like raging about it Mm. so you're screaming about it instead of crying about it yeah exactly Mm. and um and i also think that like i think you know when i made my last album i I didn't expect anyone to listen to it or have any sort of reaction or response to it i was just kind of making it for myself but like in learning that people did have a reaction to it i wanted to like really anticipate like what kind of reaction I could facilitate by making these songs. And I, and I like very intentionally wanted to make music that, um, that is a catalyst for people having like a cathartic kind of 
um, rage filled experience. And I feel like a, there are a lot of like marginalized people who would connect to the sonics of metal, but like the lyrical elements are like not aligned with, uh, with the experience of most marginalized people. And also just like the culture around metal can be kind of like intimidating to mm -hmm. most like non cis male, non white folks i think there's there's like a level of intimidation to that like cultural space but i think that sonically actually like pretty much anyone feels pretty awesome when they hear double kick pedal like <laughs> anyone it just fucking is like the most amazing feeling to be like at a live show and someone's playing double kick pedal so well, there's an exhilaration yeah, to it yeah and also just like a feeling of like i call it bowser energy like you know <laughs> just like this kind of like kind of boss doom heavy fire stomping on the ground energy totally and i wanted yeah. to like put that sonic landscape to my my experience and the experience of people that like look like me or like are in a lot of the same spaces that i'm in so did that cranking up the volume and cranking up the pedals did that sort of organically grow out of playing the first record over and over again and kind of doing the same songs but you as an artist were evolving yeah absolutely Mm. And like, just craving, craving loudness. I feel like um, even in an industry that claims to be super evolved and like very, uh, very non-misogynistic or whatever, I feel like it's just a fucking like tales all this time. Like you show up to a venue as like a femme person and the sound person is constantly telling you to turn down your amp mm -hmm. and you're like, you know you're there to play a show that people are paying to watch you play and yet <laughs> some man is still like telling you to turn down it's just so fucking infuriating and like that kind of resistance made me just like push harder and harder into a realm of wanting to be loud as fuck mm. you know that makes sense it's like really it, it that was a really wild experience to just like be at my own show with my name like on the marquee and like some <laughs> dude I've never met like telling me to be quiet. I'm like, fuck off. No. Yeah. And, and now so when you tour this I, record, it's gonna be like are we, are you are we gonna have this conversation? Yeah. It's you know, I I definitely think that um it's it's uh gonna be like a lifelong oops, hold on one second. Hi, sorry. No, that's basically fine. my grandma owns this kimchi shop and then she moved back to korea she scammed my mom into running into her running it for her and then my mom scammed me into watching the shop for her this <laughs> afternoon so if i have to leave is that, again, is that where you are right now yeah i'm at my grandma's kimchi shop <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of neat though very very um immigrant like multi-generation <laughs> business owner energy over here so <laughs> main character energy that's all right exactly Anyway, so, so yeah, so I, I did think you that then it's going to be a, a Sorry, say that again. Oh, what were you? What, sorry, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it, it's going to be a, a theme for a long time, um, being told to turn down. But I also think, like, part of that is also just the dichotomy between like my amps being really loud and then my voice being like quite quiet, and so that mm -hmm. it's just like a physics thing where, like, in the in the real world, like your voice is never going to be on on top of like it's never going to be louder than an amp because voices just aren't that loud but when you're recording you can defy physics mm -hmm. and then when you're like in a real space you're kind of at the at the whim of 
how actual like acoustics work and how actual mm-hmm. physics work. So it, it can like um, pose a, a problem trying to get your vocals to be loud when your amp is very loud. So, you know, it's, it's also like a, a, an, a element of like letting your ego kind of subside and try to be on the same team as the sound person and just hope that they are like coming coming to you from the same place and they're not just being fucking egotistical bastard yeah Uh, it makes me wonder i don't think i've ever asked anyone this but like about what percentage would you say of people who tell you you're being too loud your amp is too loud are like cishet dudes um because it's a common story yeah, like all of them, probably. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. Is that, is that just who they get okay, to do the boards? Like, I don't know. Here's something I will say. I feel like this is just incidental and it wasn't, and I, I think probably subconsciously, like everything I do is intentional and I knew that this would be some sort of uh, reaction. But I will say that like a huge influence on this album is System of a Down. And I feel like System of a Down and Corn and like, uh slipknot are all kind of in this genre that you would say, that you would say are like kind of like security guard slash like sound guy genre like that they are like stoked on so that i will say like in touring this album already like a little bit opening for japanese breakfast i feel like there's <laughs> as fucked up as it is like less resistance mm. to me being loud because i feel like we're, we're like already coming into the venue with like Marshall half stacks and yeah. Like it's not weird to them. I don't know. It's, it's still like kind of misogynist and fucked up because also like I'm touring with an all male band, which I've never done before. Mm. (laughs) So there is, there is that element also, but anyways, I am, I, I, I'm a fucking warrior and I'll keep going out there and and turning my amp up and, you know, doing doing the job and hopefully yeah, it'll exactly. just get easier and easier but I, I do think it's like one of those things where like in some ways the bigger you get and the and the venues get bigger and you feel a little bit less resistance and but you're also like more confident so you don't care as much and then when you're smaller like that's when you get the most resistance you know and mm. it's like you kind of wish it would be the other way around like the smaller yeah. you are the more the venue is like uplifting and wants to be helpful but you know that'd be super nice (laughs) yes it would be great but you know i i feel for sound people i'm sure there's like really shitty annoying bands that come through that are like a fucking mess too so yeah i'm sure i try to have empathy for that too like it is it is probably true that they just as often as they get people like you or i'm sure um japanese breakfast who know exactly what they want um i'm sure they get people who are like no turn it up and they're like are you sure because right Right. That's not exactly. going to sound okay. Okay. It's not going to sound good, but all right. Like, I'm sure yeah. that does happen, but yeah, God, you're right. I mean, it so. is your name on the marquee. Why not listen to you? I don't know. <laughs> it's not like it's your first show either, you know? Like, whatever. totally. I don't know. I, I try to really like make the sound person feel like they're part of the band and part of the team, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that helps too, treating people right. like they're people, you know? It's good. Yeah. It's kind of like actors treating the, the tech crew like they're important to the show because they are absolutely yeah so then after you toured that record for quite a bit and started thinking about this one was there a pressure like did you feel any pressure to conform to a a thing or to constrain yourself or were you just totally fuck it I think I was just like so 
I think that like the industry is like really confusing and gaslighty and like really run by these large companies at this point and like mm-hmm. large labels and and just like un- unknowable omnipresent forces out in, in the ether that it's like at a certain point you just have to be like I cannot create art trying to like please or or um satisfy anyone else because it's just like completely unknowable of what will be successful and not so i kind of just resigned to just making exactly what my my heart wanted to make which is like this bizarre new metal album <laughs> mixed with like cheryl crow pop yeah songs i was gonna say and, there like, is a, there, i was actually gonna say there's there's a bit of cheryl crow to it and I, yeah, the way, I the way I've been just... thinking about it, because I've had it, I think I've only had it since yesterday, but I've listened to it a couple of times. And the way I've been thinking about it, I wrote this down, is it feels to me like if a PJ Harvey record from the 90s made love with a Deerhoof record and <laughs> their kid hung out with Mitski and Mira. <laughs> For sure. Because it's just so it's, many things. It's like, it is. it's loud, metallic noise, almost glitchy at times. And then next song, it's like an indie folk pop song. Like it is sort yeah. of this like, like you said, like twist and turny kind of journey. So yeah, definitely. I, th- I just think that at the end of the day, every song is like, they're like your children. And like, no matter what you want them to be, they, they, turn out exactly how they want to and like you Mm. just have to kind of resign to that and I think some people everyone creates art for a different purpose and um I would never judge anyone for why or how they make their art but for me it was just kind of like following the the pen's lead and and letting the story write itself and just support it really so you've mentioned your live band a couple of times were they in studio with you or or who played on this record with you they're on Sorry Entertainer, um, which I recorded first before I uh, before I re- recorded most of the songs on the album. I recorded maybe like half of them at Ty Siegel's studio, and he plays on some of the songs. Um, Dirk, the drummer of Megadeth, drums on some of the songs. Um, Kyle Thomas, whose project is called King Tough, I recorded uh, the other half of the album at his studio, and he plays bass on some of the songs um is my the friend, half split between the two kind of styles here it's kind of a mix it's okay. more just like started the album at ties and then finished it at kyle's gotcha. um yeah kyle and i kind of have a studio together so um i started yeah more definitely started the heavier songs at ty's studio like skinner rat and um the greatest and needed to work and squeezed those are the ones that uh the the instrumentals were kind of started at ties and then finished at kyle's and then some of the mellower mellower ones like tried to understand and call me home and uh not a love song those were just fully recorded at kyle's and even like jay bellarose who's like a super iconic uh drummer who you know played with like he plays with like uh amy man and like um Mm. Like he's played with like Willie Nelson and uh he's like is just a legend. And um he plays on Not a Love song along with Anna Butters, who's like an amazing bassist. Um yeah, just kind of all, all over the board because there's such different sounds. It, it required like a huge cast of different types of musicians to play on it. 
including yeah. like some of my um, friends from Eastman, the music school I went to, um, mm-hmm. some string players, and my friend Leticia, her project is Vagabond. She does some like, she and my friend Patty Harrison, who's a uh, an actor and comedian, they're like screaming with me on Skinnerat. Oh, wow. Um, I never would have known that. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I wanted to like kind of um, include some of my friend's energy uh my friend becky who has a project called lavender diamond mitski they're singing on some of the songs so yeah there's a lot of a lot of collaborators Uh, and it's funny because hand habits plays all those yeah hand habits too all those people you just mentioned or at least a lot of them ty uh lavender diamond even a lot of them are sort of like a diy do like really doing their own thing kind of people ty especially is kind of known for that now like yeah lo-fi doesn't give a fuck i'm gonna make whatever i want to make kind of records so that kind of makes sense it's kind of serendipitous in a way Mm -hmm. definitely i definitely attract people like that into my life like i'm i'm you know i'm from and live in la but i'm definitely like not very amused or interested in like the weird hollywood scene it's kind of not my thing you know i kind of like i like the freaks and weirdos for sure so why was squeeze the title track why did that one stand out to you squeeze to me it's like a rorschach test it's like the word squeeze uh carries all this different emotional baggage like it could be like a uh like a hug like it's like an endearing squeeze or it can be this like desperate like squeezing the last drop out or like violently squeezing and choking like it just it's a word that has all these different directions it can go in based on like what you what emotion you want to like project onto it and so I feel like it kind of has this flexibility and fluidity that the rest of the album kind of has Mm. yeah I'm always curious about title tracks because there's almost always a reason or or an explanation or a story behind it that the you know we won't necessarily get as just listening to it so i'm always curious to ask about it's very choose your own adventure the whole thing (laughs) it kind of feels that way because like really one song to the next it it sounds totally different sometimes yeah definitely and i feel like you know in an era where people don't necessarily listen to albums all the way through i think that the songs kind of exist as their own little vignettes on their own too so i'm not like super worried on it slash i just don't expect it (laughs) (laughs) so i think it can kind of go either way um in terms of people kind of connecting with individual songs or like going really hard and listening to the whole album i think the i think the album is like a a journey worth uh locking into but i'm Mm. not offended either way so you mentioned um that meg duffy played on or you know contributed to this record you i did want to ask about you producing uh the new hand habits record funhouse yeah um you're not a stranger to production but am i right in saying this is the first full-length album you've produced especially by someone who's not you yeah Mm -hmm. so what led you to that job if that was like how did how is that your first album production job how'd you get that gig um, I mean, Meg and I have been friends for a long time and we mm-hmm. have played on each other's songs in the past. And, um, and, you know, we had like a trial run. I, I produced the song 4th of July, which we did kind of like earlier in the pandemic. And I think they just, you know, they had, had talked to other producers and had plans, um, to work with other people on the album, but 
our experience working together on 4th of July was just like so natural. And, and I think that, um, you know, when I'm in the studio, I have like a very, not aggressive, but very, uh, very, um, forward way of working. Like I just, because of the, of the way that I create, like I have an idea and I like need to see the idea all the way, uh, to fruition before Mm. I can like edit or like step back. And so I think maybe to some people that would be intimidating, but Meg was like really, uh, really stoked to work with someone that, uh, has like a lot of vision and, and is, and, and works really hard, frankly. And so I think that it, it was just kind of a, uh, it's a shoe fits kind of scenario. Like we just mm-hmm. experimented and and it really worked and they were ready to, um, to make an album where they were really pushed into a lot of different directions that they might not normally go into. And, um, and yeah, so it was just a, a really, uh, a really natural, natural thing. So, you know, so what was the most exciting and or challenging part of doing that? Because if you were new to it, so I imagine there was a little bit of trepidation, maybe. You know, honestly, it's funny because I am new to producing someone else's album. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's just like, to me, music is just like a language that I feel extremely fluent in. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of like one of those things where like, I don't know. I just, I just know how to do it. I, I, I can't, <laughs> it, I didn't need to have done it a lot before. Yeah. I just like know exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm like 31 years old. I was like 30, I guess when we made the album, like I just, I've been making music for a long time. It's not that complicated. Like, <laughs> you know, people have been making albums for a long time and, and pretty much nothing is new. And right. so I was really just like, uh, just channeling something, something up, up in the sky. And Meg was allowing me to like really push them towards, you know, what, what I envisioned the end goal would be. And like by some miracle. And I think by just like having all this energy from, from quarantine, we were able to like, just fucking tear through it in like a month. And um, yeah, it, it just feels like kind of a puzzle thing, puzzle piece kind of thing. Like Meg and I have really different um, we bring really different elements to the table. And so like us working together, it's like very efficient and easy, hmm. easy. So you've known each other for a long time. Would you be open to producing other people's records in the future, like continuing this? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I would have been happy and excited to work on albums uh, before, but I just truly have never even been home as long as I had been during the pandemic. Cause I'm That's true. constantly touring. So yeah. that was like part of the the reason why it worked out too. Um, Cause Meg and I had, had talked about me producing a track or something at some point, but when this scenario opened up where we were both going to be in the same city for so long, it kind of um, destiny kind of pushed us together. And so, yeah, I think, I think if um, I think if the right project presented itself and, and the timeline allowed, I would, I would love to continue. I, I, I think that, in a lot of ways, I like producing a lot more than being a front person. And, and I'll probably do it as long as I can. Keep going. Yeah. And that kind of leads me actually surprisingly naturally into my next question, which was about the fact that you used to play with Cherry Glazer. 
And then you, after you left Cherry Glazer, you were doing your solo gig. And I was wondering if you ever kind of miss not being, you know, the one in charge of the whole show. Like, do, do you ever miss kind of being more part of a unit versus being the one on the marquee, being the solo person? Yeah, I, um, to be honest, like musically, I think it really works for me to be a solo artist because I'm so like ruthlessly determined with my ideas <laughs> and, and it actually like really benefits me to not have a committee to consult with on like mm -hmm, musical ideas, mm -hmm. but with pretty much everything else in terms of like, you know, owning a small business and, and being the like identity that is focused on for my project and everything. I, I definitely miss like being a part of a team and, and like having comrades in that, uh, in that side of it. And, and musically too. I mean, Cherry Glazer was like really collaborative and fun and, and it, it's fun to have, like, it, you, it makes you feel so much more invincible when you have like a team of people that mm -hmm. you're like traveling around with and, and all that. So I definitely miss that a lot. Um, for sure. Was it scary to go solo at the time? no it just it, it 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 was just destiny it was just like yeah. it was just the time it was just time you know it are, you'd, are I, you I, someone I, who always tries to I do new so, things like old by the time I started touring like I wasn't even like I wasn't in my teens or anything I was like in my later mid later 20s so like I had already gone to college and and shit like that so like I feel like every move that I've made is like already coming from a place of like having having made a lot of mistakes and and learned mm -hmm. a lot of lessons so I'm kind of just like in a very focused work work phase of my life now yeah and when when was this new record finished how long has this record been finished for um good question I think that <laughs> it was finished shit I don't know I feel like they needed like seven months or something so maybe like okay. in the summer or something yeah so yeah how but between has it been like kind of... i also i also produced king tough uh i don't know if that's the project name it's gonna go under but like kyle thomas who is my studio partner and like we also worked on meg's record together and kyle worked on my record i also produced his record and so between like meg's record my record and kyle's record it's just been like non non-stop yeah and then pretty busy. much straight into tour so like I feel like normally you feel like you're just like sitting on your hands after you finish an album. But for me, it's been like just so nonstop, which is really like for me great because I, I have kind of energizer bunny energy. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I feel like it's like coming out so soon and I, I, I don't really have a feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm sitting on it for so long. I was like really lucky to be able to start touring it already and play a lot of songs live. So it feels How very much alive. How have they transitioned to the live setting? Has it been an easy transition or has it been yeah. interesting to find new angles into the songs? I mean, I feel like, I think I had mentioned that System of a Down was like a big influence mm -hmm. on this album for me. But one thing that I love about them is like, they're just like a four piece band live and they don't really use, they don't use tracks or anything. It's just like one guitar, one bass, drums and vocals. And so like, I tried for a lot of the songs to structure the songs uh, arrangement wise in a way that is like pretty, pretty concise and, and easy to perform as a four piece band. And so it's been really fun, fun to, to play them live. And I'm playing with an extremely capable and talented metal band. So they <laughs> fucking shred and it's really fun. Yeah. And I'm sure it feels different than your shows on the first record felt. 
Yeah. I mean, in some ways it feels the same because I was performing with the same energy. <laughs> it just feels yeah. like the, the like shoe fits a little bit better now, mm. you know, but I'm still marching the same way. <laughs> yeah. And do you think that this sort of restlessness will carry over into the third record whenever that happens? I mean, I'm already like working on the third record and, and it's so, just yes. completely different. <laughs> it's, it's completely like sonically, it's completely different, mm. but energy wise, it's definitely just still going. It's still very like theatrical and, and, um, yeah. So you are, so you are really, someone who, are you someone who has trouble stopping? I don't have trouble stopping, but I just am really lucky to be really inspired. And that, and that's like mm. kind of one of the things about living in a city, like as much as I, I'm really attracted to being in, in nature as much as possible. Like when you're in the city and you're able to like go to a movie or like go to the show or go to a museum or something, you're basically like constantly inspired because yeah. art is like always um, sparking other people's art to be made. And so being in a city and being surrounded by so much creative energy kind of like is always keeping my, my fuse lit for mm. creativity. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and that actually leads us to our to our last question. I was curious about that a little bit because, you know, I've been doing this um, show for about a year and a half and it was started because of the pandemic. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll finally do it. Um, and one thing that I've noticed in talking to a lot of artists is that this time since the pandemic started, especially in the past couple of years since it started, um, there's been a lot more sort of space to consume that art and to consume, you know, music and movies and art and media in general. Has that been true for you or have you just been so busy with work? Oh yeah. I mean, I, um, my, my, uh, intent of making this album, like I said, was way less like a diary and way more like a, a movie or like a play or something. Mm. And so that for me involved a lot of, um, a lot of research and a lot of, um, kind of deep diving in other people's art and trying to find grains of inspiration from other types of art, you know, like TV shows and movies and books and visual mm -hmm. art and, um, and history books and just all sorts of different, uh, all sorts of different resources of inspiration. And um, definitely like having so much more time to read and so much more time to like, um, to like read books on like my family's culture. And like, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm an actual like serious avid music listener. Like I'm the kind of person that literally listens to music like hours a day. Like I have a mm -hmm. lot of friends who are musicians that like don't listen to music because it's just too much. And mm -hmm. I will say like, I don't really listen to especially contemporary music when I'm working on an album because I'm like, humans are so, sponge like that it's pretty hard to like not um not like echo or copy things so I'm like very very aware of like not listening to things that are too contemporary while I'm while I'm making music just out of like sheer fear for accidentally copying things but um and I just don't like how a lot of it sounds frankly <laughs> but um like like production wise I'm not yeah. like super super into it but I'm also a fucking bitch that has like slap bass on her record. So I can't really complain. <laughs> I can't really, I can't really be like that pretentious. Um, so then but, what would be like an yeah. older record that you maybe discovered since the pandemic that you really liked? 
I or mean, spent a lot of time with like so much metal stuff like Mashuga and System of a Down mm. and like um what was I listening to a lot? Um like Godflesh and like some kind of more industrial metal stuff. I mean, even like uh whatchamacallit, the German band uh um, Rams Ramstein. Like oh, oh, all oh. of it. I definitely got more into like uh kind of industrial and metal metal stuff mm. um but honestly like i listen to so much Joni mitchell and fleet mac just like constantly that's kind of that's kind of what i listen to even when i'm working on metal stuff i just i'm, I'm not always like even listening for inspiration it's just right. very soothing to me to listen to music all day well also they're just inspiring people like they don't you don't have to make a you know a, a laurel canyon album to be inspired by Joni mitchell right she's yeah you know she's Joni Mitchell. You can, she can definitely. pop up anywhere. And she, she is definitely a musician who makes music like she's speaking or breathing, you know, mm. like the way, the way that she um, happens upon melodies to me feels really, really like someone that's just like dancing freely and un, and in a very unchoreographed way. Um, but has been like training their whole life to dance or something and then just let's, <laughs> right. let's go when they're in, in the moment and i and i feel like she writes melodies in that way and, and that is really and i don't know if she actually does but that's just what it feels like to me yeah um the like freedom in which she navigates pitch and melody is like really cool and inspiring and i like that it took me a long time to like get into Joni Mitchell actually mm. but now i'm now i'm into it for sure i'm tapped in <laughs> She has so much material too, and so much is so underrated too. Definitely. There's so much to explore. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Sasami, for talking to yeah, me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, I had, a, I had a good time chatting. The record is called Squeeze. It is out February 25th on Domino. Thank you very much, and I hope you, uh, you're a few hours behind me, so I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. My night is starting now, so. Thank you. Stay warm. Yeah, you stay. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have All a right, good one. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.